Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Also a reader. I'm also exercise bulimic, body misphorphia, and you could put in there part-time anorexic, I guess, even though I don't think there is such thing as a part-time anorexic, but I did go to some extremes to keep my weight down, and uh, most of it was out of fear. Well, no, excuse me. All of it was out of fear of... Um, <clears throat> hating myself more than I did. I hated myself, I hated my body. I, I, uh, I spent many, many, many hours in the gym. I was in the gym so much that the gym rats used to say, damn, you come here all the time. <laughs> and, and, and so I was uh, king of the gym rats, I guess, at some, some point, because I was there all the time. Not that I looked, you know, very muscular or anything. I wasn't like Arnold Schwarzenegger or anything like that. But I did spend a lot of time in there. And uh, I would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go on a bike ride or go to the gym and spend anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour on cardio. I would go to work at my job. There was a gym. So I would go at lunch. And after work, and my lunch was always longer than it was supposed to be. As a matter of fact, I got called on it. <laughs> it says, uh, you, you go to the gym for a long time, Mitch. <laughs> so uh, I had to uh, try to curtail it at work anyway. And then I'd get off work and I'd go back to another gym. So um, I don't know two and a half, three and a half, four and a half hours a day, you know, uh, five to seven days a week, I was at the gym. My neck, my shoulders, my elbows, my knees, and back, all of it was giving me problems from over-exercising. And it was all driven by, by, you know, trying to maintain you know, what I thought was uh, a look good body weight. And I had, um, it seems like a lot of it revolved around relationships too. Like if I wasn't in a relationship, I was, I was at the gym and I was like trying to get what my friends called I was trying to get down to my date bait weight, right? I know. And then they made a joke of it. So I made a joke of it. And then I'd get into a relationship, not know how to handle it and start eating. Cause that was the only way that I could deal with the, uh, the emotional turmoil that came up around being in a relationship. And my relationships didn't last very long because something would, you know, my weight would go up, I would blow up, and then I would go back to the starving and going to the gym and, 
you know, and uh, getting on the scale every, you know, five to six times a day, um, hating myself again, you know, and uh, it, was, it was insane. Um, I worked with this guy at the, when I, I worked with this guy, I won't tell you where, but I got promoted and I had to come back to this group of this other office and work with this one particular guy who was a member. I didn't know he was a member of OA. And um, we were talking about the project and he said something out of the side of his neck, you know, like, uh, well, I guess we'll have to do this one day at a time, you know. And that was kind of a little bit of a flag for me because I was in a, I'm in a, I'm in another 12 step program. I don't talk about it because my first sponsor in OA told me that, that a lot of people use it to keep people away. If you talk about how much time you have in another program. And he said, he didn't want me to push people away. So be a newcomer. So I acted like a newcomer. I, I, you know, and I did what he said because I was a newcomer to OA. I didn't know how to not eat compulsively on my own. But anyway, I worked with this guy and through him, he introduced me to a nutritionist who, who told me to go to OA for myself because I was working with her, who they were married. My friend and her were married or still are, I guess. And I would see her on a Friday and then we would have dinner together. And then we would go to the lifeboat meeting. Yeah. And I thought you guys were all nice and everything. I was in San Francisco. It's not there no more. But there'd be a hundred people there. And uh and uh, I thought you guys were really nice, but you know, I didn't you know, so I'd go look at your literature because I didn't know who to talk to, you know, because my friend would be off talking to whoever. And someone would come up thinking I was a newcomer. And I would say, oh, no, I'm not new. I'm just checking out your literature. I'm here with my friend, you know. And I had to, like, get back, get back, you know, because that's the last thing I wanted to do is be a member of Overeaters Anonymous, you know. You guys didn't have any Harleys out front, you know. And not too many of you ended up in jail, you know. And, and you know, you didn't have, like, a string of uh, whatever, you know, criminal record or nothing, you know. Yet some of you do. But not a lot of you, you know, and I'm, I was, those are the kind of people I was used to, you know, Harleys. And I even rode motorcycle. I didn't ride a Harley, but, you know, they allowed me to ride with them, you know, because, you know, because I was a program guy. And uh, they, they tried to get me to join their little biker group, you know, so I could fly some colors on my back. And I said, no, nah, you know, I don't think that was right. So I didn't do that. But anyway, those are the kind of people I was used to. And you guys were nice, but you held down jobs, you know? I mean, I'd see the seventh tradition going around and I'd go, damn, this program is rich, man. Because that money wouldn't be there if it was in one of my programs because somebody probably would have took some of it out, you know? <laughs> you know, it just, it wouldn't have had that much money because we didn't, we don't have that kind of money, you know? Uh, and it's still that way today with that fellowship that I belong to that's not affiliated not with any literature that you guys that we have here in OA. 
But anyway, that's another story for another day. I don't want to get all into that. But, you know, I, I had a lot of uncomfortableness about being at the OA meetings. And then, but yet my life was starting to change because working with this nutritionist, you know, I mean, I suffered from, I was in and out of suicide, depression, you know, my, my, my whole recovery. You have seven more minutes, Mitch. Sorry. All right. All right. Seven's good. But anyway, you know, and I had a lot of, I had migraine headaches where I couldn't even get out of bed. Had a lot of sinus problems, stomach problems. I had all these medical things. And all that was starting to change, you know. I mean, like, I was at a convention. I was the main speaker. And I was a member of OA. and uh, But I was at the other fellowship. And I was talking. And I remember I was, like, looking at everybody going, oh, shit. This is what it feels like, looks like, to not be depressed, you know? And I realized at that time I had been depressed my whole life, but didn't know it. Didn't, the only time I thought I was depressed is when I wanted to put the gun to my head, you know, and pull the trigger or jump off the bridge. I didn't know. So, so that nutritionist could have told me to stand on my head in the corner and I'd have done it. Because my life's migraine headaches, gone. Depression, gone. Sinus problems, gone. Stomach problems, still had the stomach problems for a long time. But I was, I was like, how do you live life not being depressed? And my sponsor pointed out that the 10th step would be very good for that. He said, just put down everything on there. That's, that you're going through, the struggle you're going through, living life. First, I had to learn, you know, how do you live life not compulsively overeating? How do you live life not being depressed? How do you live life, you know, not being a victim? How do you live life not going to the gym seven days a week, you know? Five minutes. Thank you. And I, and I had to learn all that. And I learned that here because my other fellowship didn't. I couldn't talk to them about food, man. That was like same thing I was doing, you know. They, you know, I never seen people leave because they'd come up to me because they see a big change in me, you know, and they go, "Hey, what are you doing?" I'd tell them, and they never, I never seen anybody get away from me so fast. And I've said, "Damn, I wish I would have known that years ago. I'd have joined OA just to tell people what the, you know I was in it, so they'd leave me alone, just to get room." So anyway, you know. Um, you know, I've been uh, abstinent for 20 years and I've had carried a, uh, a healthy body weight for 20 years and the yo-yo bullshit is gone, the self-obsession. I weigh myself maybe once a week, maybe not. Sometimes I forget. And it's like, I forget to weigh myself? That's a freaking miracle, you know? And just, you know, I don't, I don't trip too much. Even if I gain weight, you know, five pounds or whatever on the scale, so what? You know, next week it'll be three pounds less, two pounds less, whatever, you know, it's just, just a number, you know. So it's really cool. This this, this uh, fellowship has freed me. It's freed me. Um, I'm not angry. I'm not 
resentful. I, I don't hate people. And, and I had all that before, you know, just freaking. You know, I had a little insight today that told me, you know, we're all equal. It doesn't matter how long. I mean, not just in program, I mean in life. But when you look at it as program, yeah, yeah, I've been absent for 20 years. Big deal. Really, I mean, really, for me, it's like big deal. I'm, I'm no better, no worse than the newcomer. You know, just because I got 20 years, it's equal, man. We have today. That's program. We have today. We stay absent in today. If I'm equal, then I'm not judging you. There's no reason to judge you. Judging someone is just inappropriate today for me. So the mind tries to, you know, bring that stuff up, but, you know, it's just an illusion of my mind, my mind trying to create it. But we're all equal. How much time I got, Elaine? A couple of minutes, a minute, 30 seconds? A minute, yes, you have a minute. Thanks. So, you know, people gave me a lot of crap about my little plastic bowls when I was going to these events and stuff, you know, in the beginning. But, you know, Julie told me to put a leather cap on it and some spikes and maybe no one would bother me about it. And that just made it humorous. And after that, it wasn't a problem no more. I struggled with the God thing because a lot of the literature is, in my opinion, has a Christian bent to it. And I'm not. And if you are, I'm cool, man. It's like, it don't bother me, you know. Um, because one of the things we don't do is we don't cram your religion on or your belief of any kind, religion or non-religion on anybody. I have a sense of what I know is a higher power that works for me. And it's, I only call it a higher power. I don't even know why I call it a higher power. It's a power, you know. It's within me. It's within everybody. And it's everywhere. And it's over there in the corner doing push-ups or standing on its head, whatever, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just is, you know, and uh, I'm really grateful for that, that freedom. So thank you and much love to everyone. Keep coming back, newcomer. Emma, keep coming back. Thank you.